Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. President Trump to be indicted next week for mishandling classified documents. It doesn't matter that much to several people. Number one, his supporters ain't fading one bit. FBI Director Christopher Wray yields and gives the House Oversight Committee access to the whistleblower document. The FBI clearly has treated uh, Joe Biden very differently than they're treating Donald Trump. According to a new study, Americans are tired of napping. Two-thirds of Americans now have a negative view about tipping. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Friday, June 9th. I'm Mike Scott. Former President Donald Trump has been indicted on federal charges emerging out of the special counsel Jack Smith's office and his months-long investigation. According to reports, Donald Trump is facing at least seven federal counts related to document handling and obstruction of justice. The indictment comes from the Justice Department investigation into the alleged mishandling of classified documents, resulting in an unprecedented FBI raid on the home of a former president. This is the second time Trump has been indicted this year. Donald Trump pleaded not guilty in April after being charged by the Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg on 34 felony counts, all related to falsifying business records. Jonathan Turley is a legal scholar and a professor at the George Washington University Law School and says it's important to see what is actually in the indictment. This is one first that I hope most people regret, even if you feel that it's warranted. It's surprising because Merrick Garland had a decision to make here, uh, not just whether there was evidence to indict, but whether that served the interest of justice. So we have to see what's in this indictment. Uh, There are a couple of things that we'll be looking for. Uh, Obviously, the obstruction charge is the one that most of us have been talking about for months. Uh, That, to me, has always been the greatest threat uh, to Donald Trump. But there's also the question of whether they will charge possession of classified documents. That's going to put the Department of Justice in a tough position, because if they charge possession, it's going to make it difficult not to charge Vice President Biden with the same crime. But if they don't charge him on that, some people may view it as an effort to avoid the necessity of a charge against the president. So this indictment, the details of this indictment are enormously important. But that obstruction charge comes with a big ticket sensing provision. That's up to 20 years. Jonathan Turley believes that the indictment may give Donald Trump an opportunity to turn this on his political foes. As with many of these cases, it comes down to timing. They don't have a lot of runway before the presidential election. 
and the court's going to be in a tough position uh, how to deal with this criminal case when you have the leading candidate for president who wants to be campaigning. Then there's the final issue here, which is going to get really wicked. And that is Trump could run on pardoning himself. You know, for people that feel that this is biased, that this is part of a pattern, he could turn this on his opponents and actually run on his right to pardon himself. So if he's elected, even if he's convicted, he could pardon himself or he can do so before a trial occurs. The legal scholar also points out that Joe Biden has mishandled classified documents for much longer periods than Donald Trump. The mishandling of documents is the one that is going to be the most interesting reading because Joe Biden mishandled documents in multiple locations for a much longer period of time. Turley explains that the legal process may play out in such a way where we won't see a conclusion to the indictment until after the 2024 election. There's going to be a lot of appeals being taken over some of these issues, which are relatively novel, any one of which can go to the Supreme Court. The courts are going to be inclined to enjoin proceedings very likely uh, to make sure they're proceeding uh, correctly. So the bets are that this would go beyond the election. Uh, But either way, he would have the power to pardon himself if he is reelected. And so they may have given him a rather unique campaign slogan. Even sports writers and broadcasters are weighing in on the indictment, including Stephen A. Smith of ESPN, who says he's not impressed with the indictment. It doesn't matter that much to several people. Number one, his supporters ain't fading one bit. They're going to be there. They're going to march lockstep with him. They won't budge one inch. On the other hand, you have people that may be a bit fatigued and completely exhausted over the nonsense, recognizing the fact that he's not necessarily the commander in chief that they want to have, but they still find themselves sitting here and not just saying towards him, not again, not again, not again. They're looking at our federal government. They're looking at state prosecutors. They're more importantly looking at the White House, looking at the Dems, the liberals on the left, and they're saying, this is what you have. Smith believes that the average voter will not care about any indictment. Just as a regular American citizen out there voting, we can feel any kind of negative way that we want to feel about Donald Trump. At the end of the day, what we're asking ourselves are, is he going to end up in jail? Are you going to prevent him from running for the White House? And the answer to most people is, No, it's going to be much ado about nothing. He's going to be accused again. You know, back in the day, he was impeached not once, but twice. But yet again, he's still here. You know, you've highlighted to your viewers and to everybody who would listen, the man could be indicted. He can be thrown in jail and could still run for president. So at the end of the day, are you going to beat him or not? The indictment comes after classified records were also discovered in President Joe Biden's office at the Penn Biden Center last year and at his home. Those records were from his time as vice president during the Obama administration and from his tenure back in the U.S. Senate. The status of the Biden special counsel investigation is unclear at this time. Exclusive Associated Press drone footage has shown the state of a collapsed Ukrainian dam and its surrounding area. Daybreak Insider's Karen Chalmers has the very latest from the ongoing war 
in Ukraine. The footage was filmed by an associated press team that flew a drone over the Kekhova Dam on the Dnieper River. The video shows the ruined structure falling into the flooded river, as well as hundreds of submerged homes, greenhouses and even a church. Most notably, throughout the footage, there was no sign of life. Russia accused Ukraine of bombarding the structure, which was under Moscow's control, while Ukraine alleged that Russia blew it up from within. I'm Karen Chamas. On Thursday, it was revealed that congressional Republicans read an FBI informant file which accuses President Biden of playing a role in a $5 million bribery scheme involving the Ukrainian company Burisma. Reports suggest that an insider at Burisma allegedly told an FBI source that he paid $5 million apiece to Hunter Biden and then-Vice President Joe Biden in an attempt to shake off a corruption investigation. Hunter Biden earned up to $1 million a year from 2014 to 2019 to serve on the board of Burisma, despite having no relevant industry experience. Republican Congressman James Comer of Kentucky says he believes the Oversight Committee now knows that the FBI knew of these allegations of corruption against the Biden family, but simply never investigated them. The FBI has had this since 2017. This particular 1023 that uh, I was able to grant access for my entire committee today, uh, it's dated June 30th of uh, 2020. But what you go back through the document and there are footnotes that reference uh, to prior years. So they were communicating with this paid informant uh, for years. And according to the FBI, this is one of their most highest paid, most respected, most trusted, most effective human informants. So what we learned is what the whistleblowers told Senator Grassley all along. The FBI never investigated this. Comer explains what they've learned in the latest revelations. We did learn that Attorney General Barr, when he received this this particular 1023 that was uh, up for viewing today for the House Oversight Committee, he passed it along to the U.S. attorney in Delaware who was investigating Hunter Biden. And remember, this, this 1023 didn't just implicate Joe Biden, it also implicated his son. So what's interesting to me when I read the document was the fact that uh, this was years before our work on the Oversight Committee brought out the fact that the Biden family w- were using multiple banks and multiple shell companies to launder money from foreign nationals. No one knew about this back in 2020. Well, this has only become a revelation, revelation since our committee has brought it to light in the last few months. So no one knew about these shell companies. But it specifically says by their trusted human informant that uh, the the pay the, the payor of these bribes bragged that the way Biden wanted the money distributed, it would be through so many banks that it would take investigators 10 years to track the money. The Kentucky Republican points out that Donald Trump was impeached for simply asking Ukraine about corruption. Now, according to the FBI, when I had that private briefing with Jamie Raskins, who had to feel uncomfortable 
sitting in there listening to all of that information that we were being uh, uh, that we were receiving from the FBI, considering he led an impeachment of Donald Trump for simply asking about corruption in Ukraine. The FBI is talking about all these credible accusations they have with respect to corruption in Ukraine from the Biden family. Comer took some time to weigh in on the indictment of Donald Trump and says that it shows the FBI tends to look the other way when it comes to Democrats. Joe Biden has mishandled classified documents in a much more severe manner than Donald Trump ever mishandled classified documents. What we've learned about this form, 1023, uh, again, the FBI never investigated it, but there's, this is a pattern of the FBI not investigating anything with respect to, to Biden. Look at what they had with the Steele dossier, which was no credible source, compared to what they have with this 1023 uh, on Joe Biden from their most trusted credible source. Comer went on to state that the FBI is treating Biden and Trump differently. They wouldn't even admit that this document existed until Senator Grassley and I told Christopher Wray that we had already read the document from the whistleblower. So then once I got to view the document, it was apparent there were more documents. Then as early as Monday, when they gave me the briefing for 90 minutes, the FBI tried to say there were no more documents. When we were negotiating last night on postponing this this motion to hold them in contempt, they finally admitted there are more 1023s on Biden and bribery, and they're going to let me see those now. So we're making progress with, with the FBI. The FBI clearly has treated Uh, Joe Biden very differently than they're treating Donald Trump. Many critics have had the Biden family linked to Burisma under a microscope for years. Then Vice President Joe Biden allegedly pushed U.S. support for Ukraine's natural gas industry during a trip to Kiev just days after Hunter Biden quietly joined Burisma's board in April of 2014. Later that year, Congress approved $50 million to back Ukraine's energy sector. California's governor is proposing a constitutional amendment on guns. Daybreak insider Shelley Adler has more on the hard path any constitutional amendment must face. Governor Gavin Newsom's new gun plan includes universal background checks and raising the minimum age to buy a firearm to 21. His proposed 28th Amendment would also institute what he calls a reasonable waiting period for all gun purchases and ban assault rifles throughout the country. Amending the Constitution is an uphill battle. It requires either approval from two-thirds of the members of Congress or for 33 states to support the effort and call for holding a constitutional convention. A new amendment has not been added since 1992. I'm Shelley Adler. According to a new survey, Americans are getting tired of tipping. The report from Bankrate finds two-thirds of adult respondents have a negative view about tipping and are doing it less and less often and in smaller amounts. A new bank rate survey out today suggests two-thirds of Americans now have a negative view about tipping. Homegirl, what am I going to tip you for? I'm not throwing in that added tip on just a coffee. Many annoyed by that familiar tip screen. 
Now, asking for tips at the registers runs the risk of alienating customers, but businesses that totally eliminate tips, well, they usually have to charge more. And research shows that when restaurants replace tipping with higher menu prices, well, online ratings usually go down. This new attitude some have toward tipping comes amid persistent inflation, and many Americans feel that tipping is intensifying the squeeze on their wallets. Molly, the owner of Molly Moon Ice Cream Shop, says she removed tipping from her business because she felt her employees deserved to know what they would be taking home every day. Employees don't really want to stand there and think about how much influence you have over what they're going to take home. Experts suggest that if you are inclined to tip, you should generally tip about 20% for a sit-down restaurant or a haircut. For food delivery services, think about a general dollar amount rather than a specific percentage. Electric vehicles made by General Motors will be able to use much of Tesla's vast charging network starting early next year. We get more on this surprising development from Daybreak Insider Keith Peters. In addition, GM will adopt Tesla's connector, the plug that links an electric vehicle to a charging station. GM joins Ford in shifting its vehicles to about 12,000 of Tesla's chargers, and both Detroit automakers are pushing to make Tesla's connector the industry standard. GM CEO Mary Barra and her Tesla counterpart Elon Musk made the announcement. Their discussion comes two weeks after Ford CEO Jim Farley joined Musk to announce that Ford's electric vehicles would gain access to much of Tesla's EV charging network, the largest in the nation. Keith Peters reporting. Pat Robertson, a religious broadcaster who turned a tiny Virginia television station into a global Christian broadcasting empire, has died. Pat Robertson was 93. Daybreak Insider's Jeremy House joins us with a look back on the life of Pat Robertson. He turned a tiny Virginia television station into the far-reaching Christian Broadcasting Network, where he hosted the flagship 700 Club show for half a century. Robertson had an enormous impact on American politics, too, running for president as a Republican in 1988 and founding the Christian Coalition. His enterprises also included Regent University and the American Center for Law and Justice. And finally... The demolition of an old fire station in Marion, Ohio, uncovered a 118-year-old time capsule. A fire department in central Ohio has uncovered a century-old piece of history. Pretty cool here. Firefighters found a time capsule from 1905 sealed inside the Marion Fire Station's cornerstone. They were trying to save the stone before the building's demolition. Inside, they ended up finding newspapers, a contract to build the fire station, and a roster of city officials. Firefighters are going to keep the items at the County Historical Society until the new fire station is ready to go. Marion, Ohio Fire Chief Chuck Deem explains a bit of the history behind the old fire station. So, this box came out of the cornerstone at Station 2, which the former Station 2 is at the corner of uh, Center Street and David Street. It was built in 1905. Uh, The land was leased to the city of Marion by the Marion Power Shovel, and that station was intended primarily to protect uh, that business. 
the citizens sold bonds. That's how they raised the money to build the station. And uh, it was occupied until 1975, my bad. Um, so here lately, we've had a small group of our firefighters who made an effort to start preserving the um, history of the Marion Fire Department. After opening the copper box at the old firehouse, the firefighters discovered things like turn-of-the-century Marion firefighter badges, rosters for the fire company and city government from 1905, a Marion Daily News newspaper from the same year, and a book from the Marion Steam Shovel Company. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.